Section 22 of Essays, Book 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cynthia Moyer. Essays, Book 3, by Michel de Montaigne. Translated by Charles Cotton. Of Vanity, Part 5. To conclude the account of my poor humours, I confess that in my travels I seldom reach my inn, but that it comes into my mind to consider whether I could there be sick and dying at my ease. I desire to be lodged in some private part of the house, remote from all noise, ill sense, and smoke. I endeavour to flatter death by these frivolous circumstances, or, to say better, to discharge myself from all other encumbrances, that I may have nothing to do, nor be troubled with anything but that which will lie heavy enough upon me without any other load. I would have my death share in the ease and conveniences of my life. Tis a great part of it, and of great importance, and I hope it will not in the future contradict the past. Death has some forms that are more easy than others, and receives diverse qualities according to every one's fancy. Amongst the natural deaths, that which proceeds from weakness and stupor, I think the most favourable. Amongst those that are violent, I can worse endure to think of a precipice than of the fall of a house that will crush me in a moment, and of a wound with a sword than of a harquebus shot. I should rather have chosen to poison myself with Socrates than stab myself with Cato. And, though it be all one, yet my imagination makes as great a difference as betwixt death and life, betwixt throwing myself into a burning furnace and plunging into the channel of a river. So idly does our fear more concern itself in the means than the effect. It is but an instant, tis true, but withal an instant of such weight that I would willingly give a great many days of my life to pass it over after my own fashion. Since every one's imagination renders it more or less terrible, and since every one has some choice amongst the several forms of dying, let us try a little further to find some one that is wholly clear from all offence. Might not one render it even voluptuous, like the comorientes of Antony and Cleopatra? I set aside the brave and exemplary efforts produced by philosophy and religion, but amongst men of little mark there have been found some such as Petronius and Tigellinus at Rome, condemned to dispatch themselves, who have, as it were, rocked death asleep with the delicacy of their preparations. They have made it slip 
and steal away in the height of their accustomed diversions amongst girls and good fellows not a word of consolation no mention of making a will no ambitious affectation of constancy no talk of their future condition amongst sports feastings wit and mirth common and indifferent discourses music and amorous verses were it not possible for us to imitate this resolution after a more decent manner since there are deaths that are good for fools deaths good for the wise let us find out such as are fit for those who are betwixt both my imagination suggests to me one that is easy and since we must die to be desired the roman tyrants thought they did in a manner give a criminal life when they gave him the choice of his death but was not theophrastus that so delicate so modest and so wise a philosopher compelled by reason when he durst say this verse translated by cicero vitam regit fortuna non sapientia fortune not wisdom sways human life cicero tusculane questiones five thirty one fortune assists the facility of the bargain of my life having placed it in such a condition that for the future it can be neither advantage nor hindrance to those who are concerned in me tis a condition that i would have accepted at any time of my life but in this occasion of trussing up my baggage i am particularly pleased that in dying i shall neither do them good nor harm she has so ordered it by a cunning compensation that they who may pretend to any considerable advantage by my death will at the same time sustain a material inconvenience death sometimes is more grievous to us in that it is grievous to others and interests us in their interest as much as in our own and sometimes more in this conveniency of lodging that i desire i mix nothing of pomp and amplitude i hate it rather but a certain plain neatness which is oftenest found in places where there is less of art and that nature has adorned with some grace that is all her own non ampliter sed monditer convivium to eat not largely but cleanly nepos life of atticus chapter thirteen plus salis quam sumptus rather enough than costly nonius eleven nineteen and besides tis for those whose affairs compel them to travel in the depth of winter through the grisons country to be surprised upon the way with great inconveniences i who for the most part travel for my pleasure do not order my affairs so ill if the way be foul on my right hand i turn on my left 
if i find myself unfit to ride i stay where i am and so doing in earnest i see nothing that is not as pleasant and commodious as my own house tis true that i always find superfluity superfluous and observe a kind of trouble even in abundance itself have i left anything behind me unseen i go back to see it tis still on my way i trace no certain line either straight or crooked do i not find in the place to which i go what was reported to me as it often falls out that the judgments of others do not jump with mine and that i have found their reports for the most part false i never complain of losing my labour i have at least informed myself that what was told me was not true i have a constitution of body as free and a palate as indifferent as any man living the diversity of manners of several nations only affects me in the pleasure of variety every usage has its reason let the plate and dishes be pewter wood or earth my meat be boiled or roasted let them give me butter or oil of nuts or olives hot or cold tis all one to me and so indifferent that growing old i accuse this generous faculty and would wish that delicacy and choice should correct the indiscretion of my appetite and sometimes soothe my stomach when i have been abroad out of france and that people out of courtesy have asked me if i would be served after the french manner i laughed at the question and always frequented tables the most filled with foreigners i am ashamed to see our countrymen besotted with this foolish humour of quarrelling with forms contrary to their own they seem to be out of their element when out of their own village wherever they go they keep to their own fashions and abominate those of strangers do they meet with a compatriot in hungary oh the happy chance they are henceforward inseparable they cling together and their whole discourse is to condemn the barbarous manners they see about them why barbarous because they are not french and those have made the best use of their travels who have observed most to speak against most of them go for no other end but to come back again they proceed in their travel with vast gravity and circumspection with a silent and incommunicable prudence preserving themselves from the contagion of an unknown air what i am saying of them puts me in mind of something like it i have at times observed in some of our young courtiers they will not mix with any but men of their own sort and look upon us as men of another world with disdain or pity put them upon any discourse but the intrigues of the court and they are utterly at a loss as very owls and novices to us 
as we are to them tis truly said that a well-bred man is a compound man i on the contrary travel very much sated with our own fashions i do not look for gascons in sicily i have left enough of them at home i rather seek for greeks and persians they are the men i endeavour to be acquainted with and the men i study tis there that i bestow and employ myself and which is more i fancy that i have met but with few customs that are not as good as our own i have not i confess travelled very far scarce out of the sight of the veins of my own house as to the rest most of the accidental company a man falls into upon the road beget him more trouble than pleasure i waive them as much as i civilly can especially now that age seems in some sort to privilege and sequester me from the common forms you suffer for others or others suffer for you both of them inconveniences of importance enough but the latter appears to me the greater tis a rare fortune but of inestimable solace to have a worthy man one of a sound judgment and of manners conformable to your own who takes a delight to bear you company i have been at an infinite loss for such upon my travels but such a companion should be chosen and acquired from your first setting out there can be no pleasure to me without communication there is not so much as a sprightly thought comes into my mind that it does not grieve me to have produced alone and that i have no one to communicate it to sicum hac exceptione detur sapientia ut illam inclusam teneam nec enuntiem reiciam if wisdom be conferred with this reservation that i must keep it to myself and not communicate it to others i would none of it seneca epistle six this other has strained it one note higher si contingerit ea vita sapienti ut omnium rerum affluentibus copiis quam vis omnia quae cognitione digna sunt summo otio secum ipsa consideret et contemplator tamen si solitudo tanta sit ut hominem videre non possit excedat evita if such a condition of life should happen to a wise man that in the greatest plenty of all conveniences he might at the most undisturbed leisure consider and contemplate all things worth the knowing yet if his solitude be such that he must not see a man let him depart from life cicero deofficiis one forty three architas pleases me when he says that it would be unpleasant even in heaven itself to wander in those great and divine celestial bodies without a companion but yet 
tis much better to be alone than in foolish and troublesome company aristippus loved to live as a stranger in all places me si fata meis paterentur ducere vitam auspiciis if the fates would let me live in my own way aeneid four three hundred forty i should choose to pass away the greatest part of my life on horseback visere gestiens qua parte debagentur ignes qua nebulae pluiique rores visit the regions where the sun burns where are the thick rain clouds and the frosts horace odes three three fifty four have you not more easy diversions at home what do you there want is not your house situated in a sweet and healthful air sufficiently furnished and more than sufficiently large has not the royal majesty been more than once there entertained with all its train are there not more below your family in good ease than there are above it in eminence is there any local extraordinary indigestible thought that afflicts you quae te nunc coquat et vexet sub pectore fixa that may now worry you and vex fixed in your breast cicero de senectute chapter one ex ennio where do you think to live without disturbance nunquam simpliciter fortuna indulget fortune is never simply complacent quintus curtius four fourteen you see then it is only you that trouble yourself you will everywhere follow yourself and everywhere complain for there is no satisfaction here below but either for brutish or for divine souls he who on so just an occasion has no contentment where will he think to find it how many thousands of men terminate their wishes in such a condition as yours do but reform yourself for that is wholly in your own power whereas you have no other right but patience towards fortune nulla placida quies est nisi quam ratio composuit there is no tranquillity but that which reason has conferred seneca epistle fifty six i see the reason of this advice and see it perfectly well but he might sooner have done and more pertinently in bidding me in one word be wise that resolution is beyond wisdom tis her precise work and product thus the physician keeps preaching to a poor languishing patient to be cheerful but he would advise him a little more discreetly in bidding him be well for my part i am but a man of the common sort tis a wholesome precept certain and easy to be understood be content with what you have 
that is to say, with reason. And yet to follow this advice is no more in the power of the wise men of the world than in me. Tis a common saying, but of a terrible extent. What does it not comprehend? All things fall under discretion and qualification. I know very well that, to take it by the letter, this pleasure of travelling is a testimony of uneasiness and irresolution, and, in sooth, these two are our governing and predominating qualities. Yes, I confess, I see nothing, not so much as in a dream, in a wish, whereon I could set up my rest. Variety only, and the possession of diversity, can satisfy me, that is, if anything can. In travelling it pleases me that I may stay where I like, without inconvenience, and that I have a place wherein commodiously to divert myself. I love a private life, because tis my own choice that I love it, not by any dissenting from or dislike of public life, which, peradventure, is as much according to my complexion. I serve my prince more cheerfully, because it is by the free election of my own judgment and reason, without any particular obligation. And that I am not reduced and constrained so to do, for being rejected or disliked by the other party, and so of all the rest. I hate the morsels that necessity carves me. Any commodity upon which I had only to depend would have me by the throat. Alteremus aquas, alter mihi radat arenas. Let me have one oar in the water, and with the other rake the shore. Propertius three. Three, twenty-three. One cord will never hold me fast enough. You will say there is vanity in this way of living. But where is there not? All these fine precepts are vanity, and all wisdom is vanity. Dominus novit cogitationis sapientum quoniam vanae sunt. The Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Psalm 93.11 or 1 Corinthians 3.20 These exquisite subtleties are only fit for sermons. They are discourses that will send us all saddled into the other world. Life is a material and corporal motion an action imperfect and irregular of its own proper essence. I make it my business to serve it according to itself. Quisque suos patimur manes. We each of us suffer our own particular demon. Aeneid 6, 743. Sic est faciendum ut contra naturam universam nihil contendamus, ea tamen conservata propriam sequamur. We must so order it as by no means to contend against universal nature, but yet 
that rule being observed to follow our own cicero deofigiis one thirty one to what end are these elevated points of philosophy upon which no human being can rely and those rules that exceed both our use and force i see often that we have theories of life set before us which neither the proposer nor those who hear him have any hope nor which is more any inclination to follow of the same sheet of paper whereon the judge has but just written a sentence against an adulterer he steals a piece whereon to write a love-letter to his companion's wife she whom you have but just now illicitly embraced will presently even in your hearing more loudly inveigh against the same fault in her companion than a portia would do and men there are who will condemn others to death for crimes that they themselves do not repute so much as faults i have in my youth seen a man of good rank with one hand present to the people verses that excelled both in wit and debauchery and with the other at the same time the most ripe and pugnacious theological reformation that the world has been treated with all these many years and so men proceed we let the laws and precepts follow their way ourselves keep another course not only from debauchery of manners but oft-times by judgment and contrary opinion do but hear a philosophical lecture the invention eloquence pertinency immediately strike upon your mind and move you there is nothing that touches or stings your conscience tis not to this they address themselves is not this true it made aristo say that neither a bath nor a lecture did aught unless it scoured and made men clean one may stop at the skin but it is after the marrow is picked out as after we have swallowed good wine out of a fine cup we examine the designs and workmanship in all the courts of ancient philosophy this is to be found that the same teacher publishes rules of temperance and at the same time lessons in love and wantonness xenophon in the very bosom of clinias wrote against the aristippic virtue tis not that there is any miraculous conversion in it that makes them thus wavering tis that solon represents himself sometimes in his own person and sometimes in that of a legislator one while he speaks for the crowd and another for himself taking the free and natural rules for his own share feeling assured of a firm and entire health curentur dubii medicis maioribus aegri desperate maladies require the best doctors juvenal thirteen one hundred twenty four antisthenes allows a sage to love and to do 
whatever he thinks convenient without regard to the laws forasmuch as he is better advised than they and has a greater knowledge of virtue his disciple diogenes said that men to perturbations were to oppose reason to fortune courage to the laws nature for tender stomachs constrained and artificial recipes must be prescribed good and strong stomachs serve themselves simply with the prescriptions of their own natural appetite after this manner do our physicians proceed who eat melons and drink iced wines whilst they confine their patients to syrups and sops i know not said the courtesan lais what they may talk of books wisdom and philosophy but these men knock as often at my door as any others at the same rate that our license carries us beyond what is lawful and allowed men have often beyond universal reason stretched the precepts and rules of our life nemo satis credit tantum delinquere quantum permitas no one thinks he has done ill to the full extent of what he may juvenal fourteen two hundred thirty three it were to be wished that there was more proportion betwixt the command and the obedience and the mark seems to be unjust to which one cannot attain there is no so good man who so squares all his thoughts and actions to the laws that he is not faulty enough to deserve hanging ten times in his life and he may well be such a one as it were great injustice and great harm to punish and ruin ole quid ad te decute quid faciat ille vel illa sua olus what is it to thee what he or she does with their skin marshall seven nine one and such an one there may be who has no way offended the laws who nevertheless would not deserve the character of a virtuous man and whom philosophy would justly condemn to be whipped so unequal and perplexed is this relation we are so far from being good men according to the laws of god that we cannot be so according to our own human wisdom never yet arrived at the duties it had itself prescribed and could it arrive there it would still prescribe to itself others beyond to which it would ever aspire and pretend so great an enemy to consistency is our human condition man enjoins himself to be necessarily in fault he is not very discreet to cut out his own duty by the measure of another being than his own to whom does he prescribe that which he does not expect any one should perform is he unjust in not doing what it is impossible for him to do the laws which condemn us not to be able condemn us 
for not being able at the worst this deform liberty of presenting ourselves to several ways the actions after one manner and the reasoning after another may be allowed to those who only speak of things but it cannot be allowed to those who speak of themselves as i do i must march my pen as i do my feet common life ought to have relation to the other lives the virtue of cato was vigorous beyond the reason of the age he lived in and for a man who made it his business to govern others a man dedicated to the public service it might be called a justice if not unjust at least vain and out of season even my own manners which differ not above an inch from those current amongst us render me nevertheless a little rough and unsociable at my age i know not whether it be without reason that i am disgusted with the world i frequent but i know very well that it would be without reason should i complain of its being disgusted with me seeing i am so with it the virtue that is assigned to the affairs of the world is a virtue of many wavings corners and elbows to join and adapt itself to human frailty mixed and artificial not straight clear constant nor purely innocent our annals to this very day reproach one of our kings for suffering himself too simply to be carried away by the conscientious persuasions of his confessor affairs of state have bolder precepts exeat aula qui vult esse pius let him who will be pious retire from the court lucan eight four hundred ninety three i formerly tried to employ in the service of public affairs opinions and rules of living as rough new unpolished or unpolluted as they were either born with me or brought away from my education and wherewith i serve my own turn if not so commodiously at least securely in my own particular concerns a scholastic and novice virtue but i have found them unapt and dangerous he who goes into a crowd must now go one way and then another keep his elbows close retire or advance and quit the straight way according to what he encounters and must live not so much according to his own method as to that of others not according to what he proposes to himself but according to what is proposed to him according to the time according to the men according to the occasions plato says that whoever escapes from the world's handling with clean breeches escapes by miracle and says withal that when he appoints his philosopher the head of a government 
he does not mean a corrupt one like that of Athens, and much less such a one as this of ours, wherein wisdom itself would be to seek. A good herb transplanted into a soil contrary to its own nature much sooner conforms itself to the soil than it reforms the soil to it. I found that if I had wholly to apply myself to such employments, it would require a great deal of change and new modelling in me before I could be any way fit for it. And though I could so far prevail upon myself, and why might I not with time and diligence work such a feat? I would not do it. The little trial I have had of public employment has been so much disgust to me. I feel at times temptations toward ambition rising in my soul, but I obstinately oppose them. At tu, Catulle, obstinatus obdura. But thou, Catullus, be obstinately firm. Catullus, 8, 19. I am seldom called to it, and as seldom offer myself uncalled. Liberty and laziness, the qualities most predominant in me, are qualities diametrically contrary to that trade. We cannot well distinguish the faculties of men. They have divisions and limits, hard and delicate to choose to conclude from the discreet conduct of a private life a capacity for the management of public affairs is to conclude ill. A man may govern himself well who cannot govern others so, and compose essays who could not work effects. Men there may be who can order a siege well who would ill marshal a battle who can speak well in private, who would ill harangue a people or a prince. Nay, tis peradventure rather a testimony in him who can do the one that he cannot do the other than otherwise. I find that elevated souls are not much more proper for mean things than mean souls are for high ones. Could it be imagined that Socrates should have administered occasion of laughter at the expense of his own reputation to the Athenians for having never been able to sum up the votes of his tribe to deliver it to the council? Truly, the veneration I have for the perfections of this great man deserves that his fortune should furnish, for the excuse of my principal imperfections, so magnificent an example. Our sufficiency is cut out into small parcels. Mine has no latitude and is also very contemptible in number. Saturninus, to those who had conferred upon him the command-in-chief, Companions, said he, you have lost a good captain to make of him a bad general. End of section 22